0: Pastor's Appreciation Sunday. I'm so honored to be standing here today. Uh, And I can say that I'm so honored to have worked with this amazing couple for the past couple years. It has been awesome working alongside you. And I know my wife can say the same as long as and and the the rest of the staff as well. Um, Especially leading during, I think, one of the most difficult times that a pastor and family could lead through. And that is through a, a pandemic. I mean, it has been, you know, not easy at times. And it's been amazing to to walk in, even days when I'm kind of down in the dumps. And and you walk in and you sit in, in the meeting or see Pastor Greg and, and you're just energized because he still has a vision and he still has a plan for what's going to happen. And so uh, I'm honored to be standing here today. But I would like to say that pastoring is a tough job. And uh, I have a couple examples for you. Now, these, these examples aren't really from this church, but I just want to give you an example, a few examples of, of how pastoring can be so tough. A preacher went to visit an elderly woman from his church who had just had an operation. He was sitting there talking with her and he noticed a bowl of peanuts on on the bed next to the stand there and, and, uh, or on the stand next to the bed. And he began to eat them And soon it was time for him to leave. And when he got up, he noticed noticed that he ate all the peanuts. And so he said, Sister Jones, I'm so sorry I ate all your peanuts. That's okay, Pastor. I already sucked all the chocolate off of them. (laughs) Visitations can be tough, can't they? They can be tough. You never know what you're getting into with a visitation. And I had, I had another one, but it was just so bad, I, c- I couldn't read this one. So um, I will say this. Sometimes uh, they have to pastor difficult churches. Um, three friends, they decided to go deer hunting together. There was a lawyer, a doctor, and, and a preacher. And as they were walking, along came a big buck, and the three of them shot simultaneously. And immediately, the buck dropped to the ground. All three of them rushed to, to look at the buck and, and to see how big it was. And when they reached it, they found that there was only one bullet hole. And then, and then they started to debate. You know, well, who shot the buck? I shot the buck. No, I shot the buck. Well, a game warden came along. And he begins to, to look at the buck and, and to look at this deer. And he said, I can tell you exactly who shot it. He walks over to the deer. He looks at it. And within seconds, he said, the preacher shot the buck. They said, well, how in the world do you know that the preacher shot the buck? He said, well, there was one hole in the deer, and it went through one ear and out the other. <laughs> sometimes pastoring can be difficult. It can be difficult. As, as a pastor, sometimes you have to deal with the member's kids. Whew. The member's kids. After church, one day a little boy told the pastor, when I grow up, I'm going to give you some money. Well, thank you, the pastor replied, but why? My daddy says that you're the poorest preacher we've ever had. You know, sometimes you have to deal with the preacher's kid or the member's kids. And sometimes pastors have to follow direct orders. A pastor walked into a pet shop, and he told them, I need 50 mice, about 2,000 ants, and as many of those little silver fish as you can find. And he said, well, yeah, we could probably do that. It might take me some time, but... If you don't mind, why why are you asking for such an unusual order? The pastor replied I've accepted a call to another church, and the congregation council told me I have to leave the parsonage the way I found it. Sometimes, not at this church, but sometimes the housing situation isn't always the best. Uh, Today, I am honored to preach a message called Sit Right Here. And my opening text is Exodus 17 and 14. It says this. Then Moses cried out loud to the Lord, What should I do with these people? They are ready to stone me. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for this opportunity to stand in your pulpit and to deliver the word and to uh, preach the good news. Lord, I pray that you would just use me, you would anoint my lips. And Lord, we're just so thankful for our pastor, Lord, the the pastoral staff that's here at the church. Lord, we're so thankful for Nortonsville Church of God and all that you've done to bless this church. It's in your name we pray, in the name of Jesus. Amen. So, in Thessalonians chapter 5... Paul is writing a letter to the church and he's giving them specific instructions to act on on how to act as they wait for the return of Christ. In regards to the day of the Lord's return, Paul tells the people to do these things. I jotted them down just to save time. I wrote a list. These are the things that he was telling them to do. He said, be on guard, stay alert and clear headed, be protected by the armor of faith and love. Wear the helmet of the confidence of our salvation. Encourage each other. Build each other up. Honor your spiritual leaders. Warn people who are lazy. Encourage the timid. Take tender care of the weak. All of these sound like great things, don't they? They really do. Be patient with everyone. Do good to each other. Be joyful. Pray without ceasing. Be thankful. Don't stifle the Holy Spirit or restrain the Holy Spirit. Don't scoff at prophecies. Hold on to what is good and stay away from every kind of evil. You know all of these things are positive things. They are encouraging things, but I want to hone in on two particular verses in this passage. It's Thessalonians 5,12 through 13. it says this, "Dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work." They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Verse 13, show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work and live peacefully with each other. It says, honor those who are leaders in the Lord's work. Honor those, you know, we can't look over this part. This is in the same passage that tells us not to restrain the Holy Spirit. It's in the same passage that says to wear the helmet of salvation. This is an important part of this passage. We can't overlook this part of the passage. It says we need to honor the leaders that do the Lord's work. Well, how do you do that? How, how, let me ask you, how are you honoring your spiritual leaders? You don't have to answer. That's rhetorical. They work hard among you. And if you look around these facilities, if you look around this building, you can tell that we have a pastor who, who takes care of this church. We have a staff, a pastoral staff that takes care of this church. They work hard because they love this church. If you were to talk to the people in this congregation, you would find that we are offered great spiritual guidance in this church. We are offered great biblical guidance in this church. Your pastor and the pastoral team work hard to take care of this church and you have a pastor who cares. Notice this passage does not tell us that it's up to the spiritual leader to demand great respect. Like, oh, you better respect me. You better honor It doesn't say that. It's up to us to give great respect and wholehearted love and to live peacefully with each other. Before, I was talking about how pastoring can be tough, and, and I agree, yes, pastoring and ministry can be tough, and uh, before I read some of these statistics, I would like to say that these statistics are, are not from this church, but this m- may give you a perspective about pastoring. According to LifeWayResearch.com, uh, 250 pastors have left the ministry every month, Eighty-four percent say that they are on call 24 hours a day. Eighty percent expect conflict in their church. And I have to say, we don't see a lot of conflict here. We have such a loving body of people, and I've heard people say, well, if you don't have conflict, you're not doing ministry. And I disagree. Sometimes I think the Lord can just... (laughs) Do, do a good work in your church, and if you're in, you can do ministry, and you can get along, and you can work together. Fifty percent find the role of pastoring uh, frequently overwhelming. Fifty-three percent are concerned about their family's financial security. Forty-eight percent often feel the demands of ministry are more than they can handle. And twenty-one percent say their church has unrealistic unreal, expectations. Of them, I have to say that Nortonsville is a great church, and we have a great pastor and a great pastor 's wife. If you would, can we put our hands together and show them appreciation this morning? Thank you so much. Unfortunately, leaders don 't always get the respect that uh, that they deserve or the honor that they deserve, but i want I want to talk about a person in the Bible, and his, his name is Moses. Um, now, if I can refresh your memory, God called Moses to free the Israelites from slavery in Egypt. Moses answered a call and began a journey to a promised land. And a month and a half into his journey, the people ran out of food. They ran out of food. And who do you think they blamed They blamed Moses. They began to blame Moses. Moses said, don't blame me. You know, your your complaints are to God. They're not to me. I'm just doing what the Lord told me to do. They complained to Moses. and, And they began to blame him for leading them to their death in the wilderness instead of leaving them in Egypt. But you see, God provided. He gave them quail. He gave them manna. And manna literally means what is it? And for 40 years, they ate, what is it, in the wilderness. In the Exodus 17, we read that they had no water to drink. The people were tormented with thirst. They didn't have water. So what do you think they did? Who do you think they blamed? They blamed Moses. They blamed Moses. They complained to him. And they said this. This was my opening passage. Then Moses cried to the Lord, What should I do with these people? They are ready to stone me. And God instructs Moses to strike a rock. So he takes his staff. And he strikes the rock. And water comes bursting out of this rock. You know, everything. God answered their their need. He provided he has the staff in his hand. He struck the rock. Now they have water. And everything was going good. And then they were in a battle. They were in a battle. God instructs them to, to strike this rock. Out of it comes water. And everything's going good. And, 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 and what, did, what did he do? He began to name that place after their Complaints he he began to name that place after uh, their characteristics, and it's a good thing that pastors don't name churches after the characteristics of their members but we might we might would have some funny names, right we might would have some funny names, but that's what happened and uh, the Israelites in this story would be called if they had if they had a church of God at that time, Moses probably would have named their church. Likes to test God, church of God. Or first united, lack of trust, church. Or or forgets that God is faithful, church of the brethren. Let me ask you this. If the church were named after your characteristics, what would your church be called? What would your church be called? You know, leading people... Can be tough at times. And there are many, many types of leadership. There are CEOs, managers, supervisors, pastors, teachers, principals, uh, the president of the United States, and the list goes on. But if you don't hold any of those titles, you can still be a leader. You're, if you're a Christian, you're a leader. If you're a parent, you're a leader. In, in fact, if you're a parent, leading peop, uh, leading your children may be the most important leadership position that you ever hold. I don't care how much you get paid at your job. Back at home, leading your children is more important. It is the most important. And it doesn't matter what kind of... Uh, uh, leadership position you hold someone will not like the decisions that you make does anybody hold a leadership position in this church raise your hand raise your anybody supervisors managers I mean you've led parents we have any parents in here yeah only one parent in here I do not believe that I do not believe that in leadership you can try your best to make everyone happy and it just it just doesn't happen Uh, There will always be some kind of conflict and you can't please everybody. You just keep on doing what you know is right and keep on being faithful and leaning on Jesus. You see, Moses had it rough. Here he was. He was trying to, to answer the call to the best of his ability. He was trying to lead the people to the promised land. And, and, and he, was, he was doing his best. And, and he loved the people. And this next part, this next part of the, the scripture proves to me that he loved his people. And I'm going to ask Pastor Greg, if you would, if you would come up and, and just stand right here. And I'm going to ask Emily and Isaac. Can you all come up? Are you back there? Oh, yeah. Y'all come on up. Give them a hand as they come up. Pastor Greg, you're going to be Moses. I think this has armholes in it. There we go. All right. Doesn't he make a great Moses? All right. Emily, you can grab one of those robes right there. And if you would, just slip one of those on. Isaac, here, you can wear the other one. There you go. All right. We have Moses... We've got Aaron, Aaron, and we've got her, H-U-R, her. So if you would just stand on the right side of your dad, you stand on the left side of your dad. And as I read through this passage, if y'all would just act this out to the best of your ability. Okay. All right. Thank you. All right. So while the people of Israel were still in Rephidim, the warriors of Amalek attacked them. Moses commanded Joshua, Choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us, and tomorrow I will stand at the top of the hill holding the staff of God in my hand. There you go. So Joshua did that, did what Moses had commanded, and fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Hur climbed to the top of a nearby hill. I want to stop right there just for a second. And ask you do, you, do you know who the Amalekites the were, who they were being attacked by? They were being attacked by the descendants of Esau. They are distant relatives, they are from the same bloodline as the Israelites. And here they were, 430 years later, they had been, they had been in slavery, uh, and, and, uh, and here they were, they are now facing their relatives in battle, and Jacob and his descendants were at that time forced into Egypt, and due to a famine, they ended up in slavery, and now the Israelites were on a journey to the promised land, and out of nowhere, they're faced with a battle with their relatives. Some of the greatest battles that you can face in life can be with family, and and it can blindside you. They can can hit you at the most inconvenient times. Everything can be going well. God can be providing just like the miracle with with, uh, Moses striking the rock and and now you have water and the Lord's providing and then bam, there's a battle out of nowhere. But can can I encourage you today and let you know that you can overcome family battles. And just because... Uh, your family is facing a battle or a challenge doesn't mean that you give up doesn't mean that you cancel your family we can't buy into this cancel culture junk you do not have to cancel your family you can work through family battles if you stay faithful and 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 give it to god he can help you overcome those battles you guys doing all right back there y'all look good You look really good. All right, let's read along. So Moses is standing on a nearby hill. And as long as Moses was holding up his staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hand, the Amalekites gained the advantage. Moses' arms soon became tired, and he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and Hur, standing on both sides of him, they found a stone for him to sit on. And, and I like to think that, that they looked at Moses and they said, they said sit right here. Sit right there. Sit right here. And so he sat right there. And that's the, net, that's the title of my message, sit right here. And, and we know this is important, so, so we have to help you through this. We're go- we're gonna, we know you, you need to hold up this staff, and so we want to help you. We want you to sit right here. They stood on each side of Moses holding up his hands. There you go. And so his hands held steady until sunset and as a result Joshua overwhelmed the army of the of Amalek in battle. Can you give these guys a hand? All right. Thank you. Great actors. You see, after the victory, the Lord instructed Moses to write this down as a permanent reminder and to read it out loud to Joshua. I will erase the memory of Amalek from under the heaven. And Moses built an altar and he named it Yahweh Nisi, or some versions say Jehovah Nisi. Can I, can I hear you say that this morning? Jehovah Nisi. Let's say it again. Jehovah Nisi, which means the Lord is my banner. They have raised their fist against the Lord's throne, so now the Lord will be at war with Amalek, generation after generation. You see, when we fight our own battles, we tend to fail. When we lack trust and faith in God, we're left disappointed, and in, in a place that is named lack of trust. We're placed, we're placed in, a, in a place that's named uh, 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 test the Lord. But when we lift our hands, he places places us in a place that is named, the Lord is my banner. The Lord fights my battles. I don't know about you, but I want to go to that church. The Lord fights my battles. And Joshua, one of the, the greatest commanders of all time, here he was fighting with a sword, but Moses was standing up on a hill. And I like to imagine that while they were in this battle, that some of them noticed what was happening. Some of them were looking over their shoulder. And maybe at first they were thinking, why in the world is he going up there on the hill with the three stooges up there on the hill? And we're down here fighting with swords and he's up there raising a stick in the air. But then as his arms grew tired and they started losing the battle, I think maybe they started, maybe there's something to that. You know, and then they're like, hey, hey, lift his arms up, lift his hands in the air. And as they began to lift his hands in the air, the, the Lord began to, to help them. They began to have strength because they were lifting up their spiritual leader. They're lifting up their spiritual leader. And all I like to imagine that they looked over their, so, their shoulder and they saw his hands in the air and they knew that it was the Lord that was fighting their battle just like when he struck the rock, just like when he parted the Red Sea, the Lord was fighting their battle. Jehovah Nisi. You see, the man of God needs support. He needs someone to say, sit right here. He needs, he needs an Aaron. He needs a her in his life. Your spiritual leaders need somebody to lift them up and to offer encouragement. So my challenge to you today is not to, to refuse to support and help your spiritual leaders. Now, there are many more spiritual leaders than a pastor. And you know who those people are that have been spiritual leaders in your life. And it's your duty to lift them up and to encourage them. Maybe it's a phone call. Maybe it's a text. Hey, thanks for what you did in my life. You see, you should never want your spiritual leader to fail. You should never want your spiritual leader to grow tired, weary, and give up. And the next time that you complain about your pastor or a church leader, maybe we should pray for them. The next time that you notice one of us on the staff is, is lacking, or may, maybe not doing things the way, that you want it to be done, maybe, maybe lend a hand. Lift them up in prayer. Maybe give them some encouragement. And remember that a pastor is just a person, just like you are. And they're trying to live a faith-based life, just like you are. And they have battles in their life, just like you do. And children, teens, if you're in here, your parents, by design, are your spiritual leaders. They are the spiritual leaders of your home. And maybe instead of giving your parents a hard time, try lifting them up. Try encouraging them. Show great respect and wholehearted love. You'll never know the weight that your parents hold until you parent yourself. Deuteronomy uh, Deuteronomy 5 and 16 says this, honor your father and mother as the Lord your God commanded you that your days may be long and that, you may, that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord God is giving you. Parents, you're the spiritual leaders of your home. I know we at least have one parent in here because I saw their hand raised. Husbands and wives, you need to be lifting each other up and supporting each other. You are their Aaron or their her. As a spouse, you need to support one another and not play the blame game and a walk in accordance to the word of God. And when you don't agree with the authority that is over you and you don't see eye to eye uh, with that person, don't cancel them out. Pray for them. And in closing, as the praise team is coming, I'm reminded of a story of David and Saul there's a, there's a story in the Bible about King Saul and how he was pursuing a man named David. And he wanted to take his life. And Saul wanders into a cave. And David happened to be hiding in that very same cave. And instead of taking his life, which he very easily could, he could have retaliated, he could have gotten even, he could have gotten them back. He showed his honor. And he, he just cut a little slit off the robe. And later on, when he saw him, he showed him that. That proved his honor and his, his allegiance. See, later, David, when he confronted Saul and he showed him that strip that he cut off his robe to prove his loyalty, Saul ends up begging David to have mercy on his family. And what we choose to do in vulnerable moments speaks volume about our character. What we do when we have the chance to retaliate and to get even and to get back and to speak our mind and and to to and to show them who's boss what we choose to do shows our character. Choose to show honor, choose to show respect and choose to encourage one another in the Lord. Pastor Greg and Donna, we're so thankful for you today, and we appreciate you. Would you stand and worship with the praise team as they close with this?